Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's good, sports world? Welcome to Believe in Bills podcast. I'm your host, Mookie Hawkins. I have Justice the General in my, in my, okay, let's over my upper, <laughs> my upper right. And, um, hey, man, we've been, we've been really excited about my guest here today. Um, you know, he's been definitely doing this thing on the draft scene. I, 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 I kind of missed him out at the combine because I know that's, you know, it's a big thing, especially for him and what he does in this company. Uh, Joe Marino, you know what I mean? Draft network up in the house, man, you know? Um, and man, we have one hell of a draft this year. Um, it was a lot of uncertainty, you know, you, you never, you, you, you didn't even know who was going to be the number one overall pick to the, actually the car came in, you know what I mean? So, so just tell us a little bit about your thoughts on this year's draft. Well, thanks for having me on guys. And, and, um, let me turn on my camera. What's going on? I didn't, <laughs> didn't, didn't realize I didn't have that on. Um, yeah, this was a, like you said, unpredictable draft, not only from, a Bills perspective because they're picking so late in the draft, you know, and that's kind of the new norm, but also like you said at the top and how things were going to unfold and how many quarterbacks would come off the board and what that meant for pushing players down to the Bills, but entering the draft with the big need at cornerback, um, it was so obvious to everybody. It seemed like that that was the position that they needed to address. And Brandon Bean came away with uh, a guy that he had a first round grade on in Kyrie Elam out of Florida and fits well to the scheme, good ball skills, good coverage instincts, has the speed to carry routes vertically down the field, and you f- finally feel like the Bills have a an exciting option opposite of Tredavious White. I'm not saying that Levi Wallace didn't do a nice job for three and a half years as a starter and you know, did what was asked of him, competed, and certainly a, a player with limited size, limited athleticism came in and was a really – productive starter for a top tier pass defense for a long time but you just kind of felt like his lack of speed his lack of size limited the defense and so you have a more physically gifted player opposite of Tredavious White now and I'm excited to see what this defense looks like with Kyer Elam in the mix and so yeah I think it was really important for the Bills to come away with a really exciting option at corner and and they did exactly that with Kyer Elam in the first round Exactly. And like when you look at it, when you see Kansas City trade up for uh Trip McDuffie, who would have known if those two guys were on the board, was Elon really the guy? You know what I mean? I, to me, I think that Elon was the guy, you know, Stephen Hannon, when you go in and, and look at their embedded, you know, it just pretty much showed you MB was that guy. But a lot of people were saying that maybe it was for uh, McDuffie and if McDuffie was there what would the bill select McDuffie? But you know, by just looking at that embedded, just let me know that um, you know, Elon was their guy on and on. When you look at the board, um, and then when you look at this year's cornerback class, size, speed, length, um, obviously is something that the Bills coveted. Replacing Levi Wallace, um, you had those top the tier one guys in Stingley and, and Sauce Gartner, and then you know, you go in those tier two types, but out of those tier two types, only guy that had the size, the length, the speed, the physicality was Kair Elam. So that what, you know, triggered being to, you know, move up a couple of spots. 
to go ahead and get him, you know what I mean, after the fact, because it was kind of like a run on corners in that first round. So, I, yeah, I'm very excited about the pick as well, Joe, and I think he's going to bowl well uh, in that defense. Not sure if he's going to come out to be the starter the way Dane Jackson, uh, you know, played last season. Uh, only if Tredavious can't go, you know, week one, then you'll see possibly Elam and, and Dane Jackson out there. But, yeah, I'm very excited to see what this defense is going to look like, especially when, you know, Tredavious Whites get healthy. Uh, he has two all pros backing him up behind him there. So any type of rookie mistake, <laughs> you know, I mean, you're in good hands with those two and Poirier and Hyde. And then on top of what the Bills done to revamp that defensive line, uh, you know, with, with Singletary, excuse me, with um, Shaq Lawson and Jordan Phillips and Daquan Jones and obviously Von Miller, right? Um, Greg Rousseau in the second year, Ed Oliver uh, should be a beast this season. So, yeah, Bills fans are really excited to really see what this defense looked like. And when you look at this roster right now, this roster is better than last year's roster, you know? So I can see why a lot of people are, are, are predicting the Bills to make it to the Super Bowl, you know what I mean? So, Justice, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, so I, I take a look at our secondary, um, you know, from last year, obviously, after the Tremaine, uh, I'm sorry, the Tredavious White injury, a lot of people were thinking like, oh, you know, the Bills Super Bowl window just closed and they're not going to be as good. I mean, for good reason, Tredavious White is obviously a phenomenal player. Um, and, you know, my logic was kind of like, all right, so we go from being the number one defense to maybe the number 10 defense. I mean, we still have Josh Allen in a dynamic offense, so we can still get the job done. Uh, and push came to shove and we ended up still being the number one defense and, you know, the best uh, pass defense. And so I look at that and I say, all right, we have one of the best safety net, if not the best safety net in the NFL in the Jordan Poirier and Micah Hyde, you know, sitting behind your cornerbacks and, you know, should they make any mistakes or anything like that? Um, I look at how Dane Jackson held his own. I look at, you know, Levi Wallace, who, you know, uh, Joe alluded to maybe didn't have the athletic prowess that, it would take to be a dynamic shutdown corner, uh, but they still held their own and, and they got the job done for the most part, especially without uh, the presence of a dominant pass rush. And they still got the job done for the most part. So um, you couple that with now what you presume to be a dominant pass rush. Uh, you now have a guy in Kyer Elam who is a lot more dynamic than a, 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 a Levi Wallace. Dane Jackson, who's a seventh round pick, Teron Johnson, who's a stud, he's a fourth round pick. And then you get a fourth, a first round pick in Kyer Elam to be opposite the first round pick, Tredavious White. And we saw what, what our coaching staff did with him in his first round talent, they turned him into a superstar. Uh, you turn Teron Johnson into a star as a, as a fourth and, and Dane Jackson is now, you know, approaching being a starter level caliber corner as a seventh round pick. So clearly the developmental process of, you know, this coaching staff specifically to the secondary uh, is is very you know prominent. So I look at the traits that Kyer Elam possesses and I say, you know, with this coaching staff, this environment, this defense. Now you add a pass rush. I think Tremaine, I'm sorry, Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, is going to have a breakout year due to, you know, the now stoutness of the defensive line. I just see it getting better at every level. And uh, to obviously have now two first round corners come in and, you know, when Tredavious is not is, is healthy, you're going to have two dynamic talents to be able to shut down both sides of the field, theoretically. Uh, and then, you know, even if 
having a Dane Jackson, you know, on the back burner is, is no slouch at all. And I think that they're really comfortable, you know, with Teron Johnson uh, and, and his role in the defense. So I think that it really kind of shifts the entire dynamic of this defense, um, you know, already having the number one statistical defense and now just improving at every area, like, uh, you know, it's going to be a crazy season. No doubt. No doubt. Let's, let's, let's just backtrack a little bit and, you know, just, Bring the spotlight on my guy, Joe, man. Um, so just tell us a little bit about how you, you know, started the draft network, Joe. Well, I mean, it was, it's the vision of, of several people, uh, myself and Kyle Krabs being able to come together and, and work with some other guys and get the thing launched. And then just having some great opportunities along the way to build it and expand it. And obviously Paige Demacos coming in as our CEO She's been a wonderful leader for us to build the business and build the staff and make really good decisions for us. And and Jamie Eisner from uh, our managing editor coming in and really stabilizing our content plan and what Kyle does leading our scouting efforts. And uh, it's been really cool to see it all come together since we launched in 2018 and uh, really, really proud of what we've been able to build and really excited for where we're going in the future. So um, we strive to do things a little bit different and cover the draft differently and not uh, not not be satisfied with status quo, and I think we've done a good job of that to this point, and, and excited for the future. Absolutely, man. Hey, you know you're doing some great things. Uh, a lot of people, hundreds and thousands of people, are, are definitely tuning into you know what the draft network says and does. I mean, you know, obviously that was that was just definitely shown at the combine this year. I mean, you guys were you know real good out there i'm meaning to come down and sit and just crash y'all booth but it was just you know so full i couldn't even crash it you know what i mean it was a, just a, just a line of people just waiting to be interviewed by you guys but you know getting back into the draft here with these bills uh what are your thoughts on james cook yeah i like the addition of james cook i, I think he'll provide what's been missing from this running back situation in buffalo where you have a real speed threat to the perimeter, a guy that can really run those wide zone runs and and help the Bills be able to attack defenses in different ways than they have in the past with their running backs, but also the receiving threat. That's where you really get excited about with James Cook, a guy with really good hands. He runs routes like a receiver. You can put him in the slot, and you can just create a, a whole lot of mismatch issues four defenses by putting him on the field with the other versatile players the Bills have at tight end and, and wide receiver. And I get excited about what James Cook can take off of Josh Allen. I think we all recognize we love how dynamic Josh Allen is, but we we're a little uneasy about some of the hits that he takes. And having a, a really consistent check down option, a, a player that, you know, if they want to run two high safeties and drop eight in coverage and floods flood the coverage lanes, You've got a really good player out of the backfield to get the ball to very quick and challenge them to come up and make tackles. And James Cook last year in the SEC averaged over 10 yards after catch per completion. And so you you just love that being in the mix now for Josh Allen, a, a player that can help keep him in rhythm with even more consistency and provide a really reliable check down option. I'm excited for him in the screen game. I think we can all agree that the screen game hasn't been something the Bills have been overly effective at in recent years. And so you look at the low-hanging fruit and how an elite offense can get better, it's having a player like James Cook in the mix, and they they got their guy in the second round, were able to trade back a couple of times and gain some additional capital later in the draft and, and still get a player that's going to mean a lot to this offense. And so 
He's not going to be the between the tackles banger or anything like that, right? He's, he's got a narrow frame, really thin from the waist down, but this guy brings speed. He brings perimeter running ability and obviously the receiving prowess that this, this backfield's been missing. No doubt. If we can get a comparison of uh, who do you think that uh, Cook uh, compares to, who you think he compared to in the NFL? Man, that's a really good question. I, I actually have something written down. I'm going to check my notes because a couple of weeks ago on Locked On Bills, I did um, a running back primer, and, and part of that was I gave a, a comp for everybody. And I, I pulled up my notes here. I have James Cook, and I have my notes and my comp. I have written down he's so unique. And then I had two names, Gio Bernard and Felix Jones. And, and obviously, I, I, I don't love either of those comparisons, but uh, just a, a, a speedy receiving receiving threat it's he's he's really different I, I've not seen a lot of players that are like him to be completely honest with you normally if you're a 511 back you're probably 210 215 mm-hmm. you know cook is under 200 like he's weighing in at 199 and I think he has to work to get that big and um you know he's just he's just he's just a unique player so I'm not gonna force a cop just know he's fast can run the ball outside and really good at catching it so, maybe I, maybe I, before you before you before you shoot justice there maybe I can give you a comp and and, and we know that our guy Eric Chiano Bills the strength conditioning coach is, is is one of the best in the NFL so putting that weight on him shouldn't be a problem actually I was talking to uh, Eric during the draft and I was asking about you know that weight thing and he was just saying hey you know we'll get the necessary weight on those guys we just got to get in our building and and see, you know, how much those guys can hold. But the comparison that that it seems like a little bit to me when he strikes off is how about Alvin Kamara? What do you think about that? Um, I think that James Cook is a much more explosive football player than Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no shot at Kamara. I mean, but Kamara's a mid four five guy and, and James is a low four four guy. They're different in that regard. Uh Alvin's a lot more dense, 5'10, 215 pounds. Really, really good contact balance where I think it, contact balance in different ways. James Cook is very balanced with how he strings together moves, and he does a very good job of setting up the tackler to make it difficult for them to square up on him. And I think he has very advantageous opportunities to shake and wiggle and get out of tackles. Kamara is a guy that's going to absorb power mm-hmm. and break tackles in different ways. So they just have really different contact balance. I appreciate the receiving prowess that both players bring to the table, but I think they win in different ways and they have different body types and different different athletic profiles. And so I can see some stylistic similarities, but you know, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know if that's that's fully where I go with with the comp for me and when how I interpret James Cook. I like that breakdown on that. I like that. That's why we got the draft network on on deck here this morning. So they can just like give it to us, you know what I mean? Straight with no chaser, baby. You know, I like that. I, I like that a lot. Just a shoot. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, looking at this draft class and and when you compare, uh, you know, uh, draft stock value, um, uh, talent, what they can contribute to the Buffalo Bills and all of that relative to where they were picked. Who do you think is the most valuable pick that the Buffalo Bills uh, got this past weekend? Yeah, it's a good question. I was pretty satisfied with the value across the board, at least in terms of how I valued the players and where Brandon Bean picked them, right? We're usually pretty in lockstep there, but the plus value, the guy that I thought that was worthy of a pick a couple of rounds earlier was Khalil Shakir, the wide receiver out of Boise State. The Bills got him in the fifth round. 
If he was the Bills pick in the third round, I wouldn't have blinked an eye. I would have thought it was a great pick in the third round. It's an it's an amazing pick in the fifth round, where this guy comes in and you know you hear you hear Brandon Bean, Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, they talk about wide receivers and what do they say? We're looking for guys that can get open and catch a football. Well, that's Khalil Shakur, great route runner, strong, confident hands. You know he's going to win in those ways, and you love that. He just kind of fits right in, and I love that he's got punt return ability. Forty eight punt returns in college. When you consider both returns and fair catches, he had two muffs his very first season at Boise State, none after. And we know that punt returner is an important role for the Bills to get figured out. I think he's probably the leader in the clubhouse to handle those duties. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't be surprising to me that after this season, if if you know James Jameson Crowder winds up being a one-year player for Buffalo, that Shakir's the, the the featured slot receiver. And so if you get your your starting punt returner and starting slot re- receiver in year two with a fifth round pick. I mean, that's incredible value. He's he's wired the right way. He's got toughness, military family he came up through, uh, known for his football character, leadership over at Boise State. I mean, he's a process guy through and through, an absolutely wonderful fit for this Bills offense and, you know, hopefully special teams as well. Is there a, is there a player that you had maybe you didn't necessarily – I know you said you liked the value across the board, and I, I agree. Yeah. Was there one that you liked maybe less than everyone else? Yeah, I, I could point to a few picks, but I, I mean, I look at Luke Tenuta and Balin Specter, the Bills' last two picks. I mean, how much can you really nitpick? I just don't see a path for either of those guys to make the roster. And, and I think that's probably okay. Um, last year, the Bills didn't have two two draft picks make the roster. It's a good team. It's hard to make this roster. Uh, but those are two players that, look, I don't think the value is bad, but are we ever going to see them dress on a Sunday? I, I I don't know if that'll be the case. I guess if we're going to go with more of the, you know, the players that are picked earlier, I would go with Terrell Bernard, the, the Bills third round pick 89th overall linebacker out of Baylor. I see a path for him. I, I do. Uh, I think he's a, an athletic player um, that is good in coverage that thrives as a gap shooter um, playing downhill. You don't want him stacking and shedding blocks. You don't have it. Want him playing as your Mike linebacker. He doesn't have the length to really, um, thrive in those areas and he's a little small but if you told me that the bills liked Terrell Bernard as a option to put on the field with Edmonds and Milano and they want to go three linebackers and maintain some of their nickel principles that they like right they're a base four two five defense well if you wanted to sub which I know this is contrary to the way we've talked about football for uh, you know 50 years prior to this but if you wanted to go sub four three normally we talk about base four three Sub would be 4-3 in this Bills defense, and you put Terrell Bernard on the field as your third linebacker but can maintain your nickel principles, okay, well, that's exciting to me because you you diversify some of your looks on defense, where I think the Bills, from a personnel perspective, it was the same 11 players. I mean, obviously, the, the, the defensive line would rotate, but the back seven players are always the same. Mm-hmm. And I think you now give yourself a chance to – Again, maintain the core principles of your defense, but actually have a linebacker on the field, which may make you tougher against the run, which is going to be important when you consider the division. You have the Patriots, Jets, Dolphins, all teams that want to run the football. That's going to be their bread and butter. The entire AFC North wants to run the football, and you want to, the, the Colts and Titans want to run the football, and you want to bring teams to Western New York to play football in January. You better be able to stop the run. And so I do think that Terrell Bernard helps diversify the Bills' defense even if he wasn't my favorite direction to go at pick 89. So speaking of that, speaking of that direction, and we'll get into Khalil the still in just a minute, but 
that direction. What do you think that the bill should have? What what direction you think the bill should have gone? You know, in the third round there, because a lot of people were saying that uh, Bernard would have been there in the fifth round, and then you know, as you said yeah. with Khalil, you you wouldn't you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have blinked if yeah. you know if the Bills chose you know you know Khalil in the third. So what do you think that you know what was there for the Bills at pick eighty nine other than Bernard? Yes, yeah, it's, fu- it's funny you say that because you, I can sit here and tell you that. I think Khalil Shakir would have been a great third round pick, but it's the same thing. Well, like they could have had him in the fifth round, and we know the answer to that. They they really could have. They they picked him in the fifth round. Same thing with uh, Terrell Bernard. I can sit here and tell you that he would have been available in the fifth round, but who knows, right? We don't know the answer to that. So I, I think Shakir would have been a great third round pick. I I love Dylan Parham. He's an interior offensive lineman from Memphis. I think he would have been a a, a really outstanding pick in the third round, but. No, clearly the Bills looked at their linebacker depth and wanted to do something about it. I mean, the players that they visited with pre-draft, you know, and Leo or not Leo Chanel, Troy Anderson, and uh, the the Wyoming linebacker Chad Muma. Um, you know, they they definitely wanted to improve this this linebacker depth. They took two of them, so this was definitely a priority for this football team. And so, you know, I'm not going to argue with the 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 value that the team placed on this position. I saw it a little bit differently. But um, I see the path for Bernard, and you know, maybe Parham would be would have been my guy at eighty nine. Um, but um, you know, I I think that there's a good vision in place here with the players we did get. Yeah. Oh no. Now, no. Um, yeah. With with that pick though, uh, you know, Bills linebackers coach Bob Babich, he he had to be the one to pound the table at that point. You know, like, hey, let's go get my guy. I'm not sure he's going to be there. You know, at fifth because the Bills didn't have a fourth. So, you know, that's when, you know, pounding that table starts to coming into play. And them not selecting a guard, and I figured that they would probably go that route as well, especially when they got the cornerback and 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 and, and the running back off the board. You look at what's next, uh, interior lineman and linebacker, right? So I think that, you know, I guess they gave uh, Coach Cromer a lot <laughs> already in free agency as far as linemen, but they didn't still address the interior which makes me believe that, you know, Cody Ford is, is, is safe for now. You know what I mean? So, so what are your thoughts on, 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 on Cody, on, on Cody Ford uh, in his contract here? Yeah, I think, I think the team um, is optimistic about Cody Ford this year. We've kind of heard Brandon Bean talk about that, a clean slate for him, new offensive line coach, his first off season where it wasn't either his rookie off season or, you know, injured, right. He's rehabbing from, right. from injury. So you know, Cody Ford's a, a gifted football player. There's no question. There's a reason he was a top 40 pick. Um, a lot of people mocked him as a first-round player right up until the tw- it was a 2019 draft or whatever year he came out. Um, so he's a gifted player. He's had circumstances that have made it difficult for him to play to his to his potential. And we know that there's been some some personal things there as well that he opened up about uh, over last year's offseason. And so, yeah, he's been an uneven player on the field. Um, and I don't expect him to start. I think it's pretty clear that Saffold and Bates are your Bills starting guards. But I think Cody Ford can be a top two reserve for this team and, and a player that I expect to make the roster. You know, I think as many maybe there's some fans out there that are over Cody Ford and 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 don't want him to be part of the mix. I would get ready for him to be part of the mix this year because I think the team's gonna give him another chance here to prove what he can do and uh, start start over here with their Aaron Cromer in a new offense and, um, you know, in a, in a situation where he's not injured for the first time in his career. Yeah, and maybe not switching positions. And yes, every good time. point. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, 
it to your point, you know, I was I was doing like a live draft coverage and everybody in the second round was like, oh, Dylan Parham, Dylan Parham. So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I think that's that's fair. So I, I kind of want to move back to the Terrell Bernard uh, pick for a little bit. Um, so when I was looking at his tape, to me, it kind of felt like the 80-20 rule. And I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with that, but it's like when you have a partner, they give you 80 percent of what you want. And then you are missing the 20% and you go out and you see the 20% in somebody else and you feel like, oh, they're the perfect person. But it's not quite that because they're missing the 80% you were having before, right? So when I look at the, um, I'm sorry, uh, Bernard, I say a, a lot of the things that I feel like maybe Tremaine Edmonds isn't amazing at, I think he does everything well, right? I don't think there's anything he does that is like below average per se. Um, but when I look at uh, Bernard, I feel like his field awareness, his ball skills, uh, you know, his ability to shoot the gap, you know, those things he does a little bit more consistently uh, than Tremaine to me. Um, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Do you yeah. think that that's uh, a valid thing? Well, I, I can understand if you watch the tape on Bernard and watch the tape on Edmonds, I can see why you would come away with that. But I think it goes. It, you have to go a little deeper and, and understand that Tremaine Edmonds is asked to be a read and react football player, where he's got a lot on his plate. He's got to defend multiple gaps against the run, and he's got a lot of range he's responsible for in coverage. That's a lot different than Terrell Bernard, who was literally asked to shoot gaps. He didn't have to be a read and react player. He's like, no, you're going to shoot the a gap on this play. And then when you're talking about Big Twelve football that is all spacing and wide open, and, and you're just telling a guy to shoot a single gap and try to make a play in the backfield, it's a really different it's a really different assignment than what Tremaine Edmonds has. If you just ask Tremaine Edmonds, hey, shoot the A-gap, he's going to make crazy plays just like Terrell Bernard, but he doesn't. that's not the case. He has to be a read-and-react player. And so I think we have to keep that in mind when we talk about what Bernard brings and you say that this guy, you know, he knifes through holes and he's slippery through gaps. Yep, that's because he's asked to do that. You know what I mean? And ask him to play seven yards of depth, read the guards, take on a block, stack and shed, and, and finish, right? Like, that's a different deal. And so um, that's where I would really be cautious when we consider the two styles because they were really asked to do different things. And that's why for what what my initial my initial reaction, you know, I had to, I had to react to this pick live on a broadcast, and you don't have time to really – um, think that much, right? Like you, you it's kind of like you get in an argument with somebody and you think about all the cool stuff you should have said afterwards uh, when you walk away. That was kind of how I felt when I original, in, initially broke down the Terrell Bernard pick in our live stream with the Draft Network because in my mind, I'm like, okay, this is Tremaine Edmonds' last year that he signed and you know maybe they don't have enough money to bring him back and he's going to walk in free agency. I still think the Bills are going to bring back Tremaine Edmonds. But if they didn't, you know, I was thinking that they would draft his replacement this year. And so when I see Terrell Bernard as the pick in the third round, I'm like, oh, man, this isn't a player that I think can come in and do the things that the Bills asked Terrell Ed Tremaine Edmonds to do. But then once I got past once I got past that and I said, okay, maybe he's not going to be asked to be Tr Tremaine Edmonds' replacement. Maybe he's legitimately going to be asked to be the next piece of this defense. And I go back to Carolina. And we always should go back to Carolina because we've seen Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott want to replicate a lot of the ingredients – that made them successful in Carolina. That's what that's what these people do. What got you the job that you have, 
And what can you bring from your previous stop that got you there? And so, you know, you think about Luke Keekley, you think about Thomas Davis as linebackers for that Panthers defense, an amazing pair of linebackers. Well, they had both of those guys signed under contract, and they still drafted Shaq Thompson in the first round. And to me, this isn't – Terrell Bernard isn't coming in here to be a replacement for Tremaine Edmonds. He's not coming in here to be a replacement for Matt Milano. Maybe depth behind those players, but he's brought in to be the Shaq Thompson player for this defense which is like the OG Buffalo nickel where it goes back to the stuff I talked about earlier where, hey, you could go three linebackers and maintain your nickel principles that you like for your scheme. And that's where I think he fits into this defense. You, you're not you're not drafting Terrell Bernard to replace Jermaine Emmons. I think it's depth behind Milano, who's had some injury issues, right? We know we're all aware of that. And as that third linebacker, because you do want to run more four, three sets. That's where I think he comes into play. Now, now, speaking of Tremaine Edmonds, do you feel that he's a scheme fit just based upon his attributes coming out of Virginia Tech? Uh, you know, 6'6", 2, 255, runs a 4'5". You're asking a guy with those type of, you know, traits to just read and react <laughs> and, you know, it's not playing aggressive. Me, I have a problem with that. You know, I, I get their scheme, but to have a guy like that, and I just feel that's in, in some some phases they they don't use him correctly. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I hear what you're saying, but I also I also listen to other quarterbacks and other coaches every time they're they're playing against the Bills, and they talk about how troubling it is to deal with Tremaine Edmonds in the middle of the field. Like, if you're trying to slot throws in the middle of the field against the Bills, good luck, good luck, because you got 34 <laughs> and a half inch arms, 253 pounds, six four and a half sitting right there and we've seen the bills get really creative with Tremaine and you know bring him up into the a gaps right at the snap and then drop him really real quickly back and how quickly he can cover distance and like take away some throwing lanes that the quarterback thought was on the menu pre-snap and they're quickly off the menu and all of a sudden you thought you had free access on a slant route but now Tremaine Edmonds is hauling ass backwards and taking away that throw and now you have to move your eyes to the next read good luck because now you got Poyer and Hyde that are leveraged and taking away more throws. And so it's all part of the puzzle. Like you, you can't have it both ways. You can't ask Tremaine Edmonds to be a gap shooter, but then also maintain what makes the bills defense so difficult to complete passes on, which is, I mean, look at the passer rating against his bills defense. It speaks for itself. Nobody does well. No quarterback does well consistently against his defense. And so I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I mean, you can't, I don't think you can have it both ways. And, and and so you have to pick. And, you know, sometimes they will ask Tremaine to blitz. But I think on passing downs, his best ability is what he takes away in terms of working in the throwing windows and forcing quarterbacks to to move their eyes. And, and, you know, the Bills leverage the field. They space it a very specific way. They're trying to make quarterbacks have to make accurate throws to difficult portions of the field outside the numbers. And so when you have Tremaine clogging up the stuff in the middle – Poyer and Hyde, just phenomenal at what they do at taking away throws. And you have corners that are leveraged that are playing inside out, and your only spot to complete a pass is a five-yard window from the sideline in. You just you don't have a lot of places to go with the ball. And so, I don't know, it's a, it's, it's an either-or thing. I don't think you can have both. So you have to choose. Yeah, you definitely have to choose. And, and, and that's just going into my next uh, question about that. How would this – well, I mean, how would this defensive front make Tremaine Edmonds' game a little bit more better than what, what it has been? 
Yeah, I think the big thing about how the front can help Tremaine is by being better against the run, where um, it just it, he deals with a lot of contact that he shouldn't have to deal with. And, and that's because, you know, one texts are getting driven off the ball and pushed into his lap, and now he's got more junk to sort, to sort through on his way to the football. And so I think you have a player now in, in Daquan Jones who's the best one tech the Bills have had since Tremaine Evans has been drafted. And, you know, you go back the, the whole history. I mean, you had Jordan Phillips running as a one technique. That's not his game. He's a three. Uh, you've, you've had uh, Vernon Butler getting run at one technique, and he can't he can't defend the run. Um, you know, he had some positivity with, with Harrison Phillips, but he had his own injury issues when he was in town. Starlo Talele, inconsistent as they come. And so I think you have a player now that can stabilize that one tech and allow Tremaine to be a little bit more free to read, react, process, and get to his landmarks. And so the biggest thing that the Bills can do to help Tremaine Edmonds is by solidifying that defensive line, which I think they've done this offseason. And then, you know, Tremaine, he's a young player. I mean, was his birthday yesterday? Just turned 25 years old? Yeah, a couple days ago. Just turned 24. 24! 24 years old. This guy's played four years in the league. You know, two Pro Bowls, three-time team captain. Like, that's not normal. I know that he's not been the most consistent football player for the Bills. Like, I get that. But what this guy's accomplished at such a young age, like, he's he hasn't plateaued. He hasn't reached his ceiling. And so... There's guys being drafted now that are his age. Right. <laughs> so. That's friggin' insane. That's absolutely insane. So... Uh, this guy, I mean, he's one of those players that like, maybe you wish he was more consistent, but I'd be scared like hell letting this guy get out of your building and go be a superstar for some other team. Yeah. Him on the Steelers roster is the scariest thing in the world to me. Like Jermaine Emmons with the Steelers is super scary. Right. With, with to it and Hayward and yeah, you know, all those guys that, in front that, of him. Yeah. That's petrifying. All right. Yeah. And so, um, I, I had a question, right? So when I look at Khalil Shakir, I'm like, that value was so incredible that it's hard to really even you know see anybody else as probably the best value pick but there was a guy who kind of went under the radar to me and I feel like because there were so many good players taken James Cook, Kyer Elam, Matt Areza, uh, you know uh, that he kind of went under the radar. Um, Christian Benford right uh, he's 6'1", uh, 196 pounds, 31 inch arms, um, he's not afraid of contact, he is a ball hawk, he's, he seems to always be around the ball right. Um, I look at him and first, I, I think that's an extremely good value for that pick, right? And then I also say I also could see him being a little dynamic. Maybe you know, if he if he was, he, he seems like he has the frame to be able to put on a little more weight. Could potentially maybe play like a safety hybrid role potentially. Uh, what do you think about Christian Benford uh, as a player and as a pick overall? Yeah, this is the pick that we're probably not talking enough about, and I'm 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 thankful that you asked about him because. Um, it's easy to kind of overlook this, you know, FCS player from Villanova, double dip at corner. You know, they drafted Rashad Wild Goose last year out of Wisconsin. Stash on the practice squad got plucked. You kind of forgot about him already. I think Benford's got a real chance here. And um, first of all, uh, I mean, a Villanova kid, you know, that that's kind of the the area that Sean McDermott's from, right? Got roots in, in the, the Philadelphia area. And so uh, you, you like that. You're, you're sure that you kind of get the hunch that McDermott had a little bit of a hand in that pick. But then you think about the ball skills, like you mentioned. I mean, what do you have, seven interceptions this past year, five in 2018, nearly 50 pass breakups, a guy that knows how to get his hands on the football. Unbelievable run defender and tackler, right? He's a guy that 
Um, doesn't miss tackles. Like you said, he's always around the football. He's physical and aggressive. That's going to translate really well to special teams. And so I start thinking about, okay, well, Taiwan Jones, they love as a jammer and a gunner for the punt team and his leadership traits that he brings to the table. And Taiwan's probably back for one last hurrah. Maybe this is your successor there. This is a guy that's going to pair with Saran Neal to be your gunner and your jammer on your punt team. But then also, like you said, he's got some appeal to play some safety. And so maybe there's not a very clear path for him helping this team as an outside corner, given Trey White, Kyer Elan, Dane Jackson all ahead of him on the depth chart. I don't think he's going to jump any of those players. But you think about maybe a developmental guy at safety where both Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer, we know they're aging, but they're also guys that started their careers as cornerbacks. And I think the Bills like inherently love that about safeties, guys that have a corner background. I think that helps you be more complete safety and understand the whole breadth of coverage schemes. And so uh, you you put this guy back there as a, you know, like I said, gunner, gunner, jammer, depth at outside corner. But you start thinking about him as a potential safety. And there's just so many different ways that this guy is a six round pick can come in and, and find different paths to making an impact for this football team. So, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he's the next Jordan Poyer or the next Micah Hyde, or he's the next Taiwan Jones on special teams. But I'm here to tell you that if there's a reasonable, reasonable belief that he can do those things. And he does have the foundation of skill necessary to become a meaningful player in a couple of different ways for the bills. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. I, 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 I love the 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 SCS stud. You know the Bills have definitely did their homework on on this guy. You know, 14 career interceptions. So once again, you know he has a knack of getting on the football. And let's talk about the length there. You know, six one two oh five, physical guy. It seems like that was the point of emphasis. You know, when you're dealing with those cornerbacks, rangy with the physicality to match. Uh, something that, you know, Sean McDermott is obviously has been lacking in, you know, that cornerback group. But, you know, moving on to obviously the obvious is the punter, right? The mm-hmm. punt guy. Um, mm-hmm. Why do you feel that, you know, he slipped? Because there were a couple punters that went ahead of him, you know, in this year's draft. And what do you think, you know, as far as the pick, uh, do he have a shot on um, meeting a uh, hack out for the, for the spot? Yeah, you know, I think we – all right, let me – how do I say this the right way? Matt Ariza is a very exciting punter prospect. He is. I'm excited for him to be on this Bills roster. But that doesn't mean he he came without questions. He's got questions, three big questions. Number one is that he's only been a one-year punter. So this isn't a guy with a ton of time on task as a punter. I mean, he's a kicker. And so, obviously, in one season as a punter, he was unbelievable. He, he set the record – in college football history for net yards per punt. I mean, just unbelievable, almost 52 yards a punt. It's rare stuff. He's a very gifted player, but he's he's also a player that only has one year of experience. He's never been a holder in a game, right? And that's a that's a primary function of a, a one of the primary functions of a of a punter is to hold. And in fact, I mean, the Bills punters hold more than they punt. You know what I mean? Like, it's an important thing that they do. I think 110 holds last year compared to, like, 46 punts. It's like double. It's a big deal being able to be that holder. And, you know, I'm I'm sure that Matt Ariza can develop as a holder. But normally a punter comes into the, the NFL with years of game experience holding. And you're not trying to make Tyler Bass worse by not having a reliable holder. We saw, you know, with Corey Borges the inconsistency with his holds and how that hurt Matt Hawk early on in his career or how that hurt Tyler Bass, excuse me, early on in his career. 
You saw Corey Pohorkas go to Green Bay this past year, and Mason Rod- Mason Crosby was missing field goals left and right because Corey Pohorkas couldn't hold. Go mm-hmm. to the Miami Dolphins. Jason Sanders with Matt Hawk in 2020. All-pro punter. Uh, All-pro kicker, excuse me. One of the best kickers in the league. The next year, Matt Hawk leaves. He doesn't have Matt Hawk because he's older. And the Miami Dolphins had the lowest made field goal percentage of any team in the NFL. That's because Jason Sanders forgot how to kick field goals. The holder component, the entire function, the mechanics of kicking a field goal is relying on that holder doing their job. And so I'm not sitting here and, and trying to create a doomsday scenario with Matt Horizon saying he can't hold, but he has to prove that. So right. inexperience as a punter, right, is inexperience as a holder and a guy that has an amazingly strong leg but not a lot of control. When he his pooch punt opportunities 30% of the time resulted in the touchback. That's way too high. That needs to be cut down by 75%. So he's raw. He's a really raw player as a punter and what you're going to ask out of that punter. All the talent in the world, but there's a reason he was the third punter drafted, and, and those reasons are why. Jordan Stout was the best punter in this class. Then Jake Kamarger from Georgia. The NFL got it right. Now, could Ariza be the best of the of the group? Absolutely. But he's got questions to answer. No doubt. No doubt. And uh, before I let you go, um, how does this draft class, where do you see this draft class helping this Buffalo Bills team? Well, I think if you just kind of kind of run through it, there, there's, I, I mean, give me one second here. I got to pull up the picks here because I like this question and I want to make sure I answer it well. Um, hold on. I've in the wrong year, but 2002 instead of 2022. So I think when you look at this, this class, I think you got a starting corner in Kyrie Elam. And I know Mookie, you had mentioned that, you know, maybe he, that's not the case. Every first round pick under Sean McDermott, they start. You go back to Trey White, day one starter. Tremaine Evans, day one starter. Josh Allen was a starter at halftime of week one against Baltimore, his rookie season. Ed Oliver, day one starter. Greg Rousseau, day one starter. I have no reason to believe that Kyer Elam's not going to fall right in line with that. I think you have an X factor on offense in James Cook with what he gives you in terms of speed and receiving ability. You have a player in Terrell Bernard that can help diversify your defense, right? We talked at length about that. You have a player in Khalil Shakur that I think is your punt returner. And your slot receiver, your primary slot receiver in 2023. And you have your starting punter and, and Matt Ariza, a guy that can flip the field. We talked all about Christian Benford and what he can mean as a gunner and a jammer and his developmental player for the secondary. And I think that's what you came away with with two practice squad stash players and Luke Tenuta and Bale Inspector. To me, that's a lot of that's a lot of roles filled with draft picks. And I, I think should all of that come to fruition, we're gonna look back in this draft and say, Man, another another really strong haul from Brandon Bean. No doubt. No doubt, man. So what, what would you give your draft grade? So I, I did this for the Draft Network. I did a, a, my Bills grades. I gave it a B plus. And, um, you know, I, I obviously I've, I've detailed what I think of this class and what I think they can do. You, you know, I'm, stingy, I'm a stingy grader. What kept me away from giving it an A is I don't really feel like they came away with plus, plus, plus value. You know what I mean? Like for you to get an A for me, you better address your needs and you better get some players that you really shouldn't have. And I think the Bills did in Khalil Shakur. Like that's one example, but I need more than one example, right? Uh, to be able to get like those just absolute steals that made no sense that they were there and that everyone's going to regret that the Bills got them. 
You know, I think James Cook might be that player, but he's it's still a second round pick, right? Like you'd expect there to be impact from a second round pick. So I didn't see enough steals for the Bills to get an A, but just a rock solid job across the board. And like I said, if everybody reaches their potential and, and did the things that I said that they could do, uh, it's going to be you know we're going to look back in this draft very favorably. Let's say let's say the Bills would have took. Nicobe Dean in the second round, and then maybe came back if if you know Cook or Spiller was there in the third round, or uh, you know maybe you know give up some of those later assets that, like you mentioned, they're probably not going to make the team to go back up and maybe get a Cook if you're, or like I said, a Spiller if they were still there in the late second to third round. Would that change your opinion um, on the draft? Because that's another steal that you know they could have potentially had, or even a Dylan Parham for for that matter. Um, yeah, you give me bar him, bar him, par him, excuse me, in the third round, I, I might give it an A. Um, you mentioned Dean. I mean, the problem with Dean is just like, what does he look like outside of the Georgia defense where he's got, you know, 20 NFL starters next to him? And this guy's got significant injury concerns. I mean, he, he declines uh, surgery on his shoulder. He might miss his entire rookie season. You know, so I and why didn't he test? Why didn't he run? You know, like he's he's a player that's undersized linebacker. I wanted him to validate his athleticism. And so I don't know. I have questions about Nicobe Dean. So I don't know that if he becomes the Bills second round pick, that changes for me. But par him in the third. You give me the same thing, par him in the third. Um could live without Bernard if I have to, but um, yeah, I I mean I, I think the Bills did a really, really good job. I mean, and I think that's they're they're not that type of team. They're not they're not a team like the Giants that have two top ten picks and you know all these additional draft. They're like they're not going to be that team that just they're at a different point in their life cycle as a franchise. And so this is kind of what I think we'll expect from Bills drafts at this point. They've got that strong nucleus, that strong foundation laid. Now it's just about every year taking the assets that you have at your disposal to try to just keep adding to it. And we went through it. The Bills added to it in meaningful ways, but. Yeah, those I don't the Bills aren't ever going to be that team anymore that just has, you know, five picks in the top 75 and you're like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this infusion of talent." That's just not that's not where they are in their life cycle right now. That's right. Now, everybody, I just heard it live in the flesh from founder of the Draft Network, Joe Marino. Joe, I appreciate you, you know, giving us your time this morning, man, and you know, hey, we're going to definitely uh, you know, pick your brain a lot more as this season goes. You know, because, hey, it's going to be exciting this season for Bills fans. And, you know, we're going to need you every step of the way, giving us some of that great insight you just displayed just now. So appreciate you, man. And I wish you nothing but the best moving forward with you and, and, and your brand there. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. And best of luck on the, uh, the the launch of the pod here. Absolutely. Hey, Bills fan, make sure you like, share, subscribe, believe in Bills. If you believe, then come on now. You got to choose us, right? You know what I mean? So make sure you like, share, subscribe. It's on YouTube. It's on Apple. It's on Spotify. It's everywhere. All right. So make sure you're there. Okay. So we're going to be here every week spilling out these podcasts and we're going to have great guests. As you just see my guy, Joe Marino from the draft network, you know, week in and week out. So, you know, I like to thank everybody for watching and tuning in and uh, we'll see you next time. Go Bills. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.